Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And we're back, Chelsea fans, after another massive victory for the Blues. This is about our 17th in a row, even though we haven't played that many matches. I'm just telling you, this is the Chelsea that we all knew we have. And to, to break it all down with me, I've got Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast that only celebrates victories. That's right. Uh, Dan, you know, I don't I don't remember what happened midweek, do you? There's probably nothing there to, to talk about. No, I, I, de- I definitely remember blacking out. I just—it's a piece of time that I don't remember anymore, and you know there might need to be like a series or mini series where I like go back to uncover what actually happened in that twenty-four hour you're period. Like, you're like uh, you're like Charlie Day on It's Always Sunny when he has like the the web and he's like he's on drugs <laughs> and he's like pointing to like all the various factors why we could lose to Wolves and beat City. That's Mike. There's your Photoshop for the week. Boom. Love it. All right. Well, uh, bringing in the big guns for a. Big time opponent, we did bring our great friend Isar Kinsella back in Naz. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, guys. Yeah, always great to be on. Um, talking about a team from Manchester, where I'm from. So, yeah, it was an amazing game. Big game. It's not an accident. You might think it was just coincidence, but we actually put some time and thought into this. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you need a mank voice on the podcast, <laughs> but 
hey, I cover Chelsea. I'm a Chelsea beat reporter, and I love doing that. And what a game! I'm I'm so lucky to do this job. And that was a moment where I felt really lucky as well. Yeah, for 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 things like the Liverpool match and the and the City match this year, when the atmosphere is just so ratcheted up, is it? Is it kind of like a, a surreal feeling to also be working in that setting? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, but I think I think sometimes you have to find a way of enjoying it because maybe you, you can take football too seriously, or or you can sort of uh, get get lost in trying to find the details. But I think you need to take a step back and enjoy it before I get into the writing. When when I'm writing, I'm like, yeah, I'm focused now. I've got this, uh, and it's a big story because it's a big game. So you have to write well in, in those games. There's a little bit of pressure, but definitely you also need to take every moment you can to sort of enjoy it and you you shouldn't do the job unless you can really enjoy it you lose a lot of football's about passion isn't it and it's about rhythm and and you need to enjoy it so yeah definitely i can take it in and that was one of those moments where you could take a step back for a, for maybe a second and say yeah this is really cool oh that's brilliant yeah if uh, if only we would have bumped our trip up a couple of weeks who man that would have been an amazing match to be at. So jealous of Chidge and Dan Silves and JK and all you guys are at the bridge for those matches. Uh, super excited. But anyways, continuing on, getting into it, uh, Dan, we have been called a very, very flattering title in our iTunes reviews this week. Well, uh, there, there are a couple. Best Chelsea Podcasts, Best Chelsea Pod in the Land, which we have to now then ask them to define like what actually the land is because that's a... Pangea. You know, yeah, that, Pangea. that you know, could be it. Uh, <laughs> hashtag keep the blue flag flying high. A must podcast for Chelsea fans, but thank you to Irish Chelsea YouTube, Emmerich from Sweden. We had JB from USA uh, and the Gers 13, all with some five-star reviews and some questions. Uh, I will say that the questions that they asked are pretty much the questions that were asked across Patreon and our wonderful other social platforms. So we will get to them. But I will say that JB was very wonderful because he talked about the fact that he latched on to Chelsea after watching a Chelsea-Arsenal match about three years ago. And he found us... In him immediately leave a review, but really appreciates the insight and knowledge we bring to the podcast. It's definitely helped him understand the game and be that much more of a fan. Keep doing what you're doing. Cheers and go Blues. Nice. I love it. That's so, so cool. Uh, a huge shout out to Harry Rao, who joined us on Patreon. And I personally would like to apologize for not emailing you this week. I owe you because you get some sweet swag coming your way. All right, talk about predictions. At Hildy underscore T7 says, I don't want to be that guy, but I did call it. But to be fair, Thomas, did you? Because you asked a question. You said previously for last week's episode, would you take this loss easier in exchange for beating City? To which everyone in the world obviously would have said yes. I mean, Nick, as the prediction expert, is <laughs> is that a prediction or more of like a, hey, no, wouldn't this no, be that's, nice? That, that's what we'd like to call like a, a hypothetical or a scenario. <laughs> like, that's not a that's not a prediction. That's, of course, I think like anytime you trade beating a team that isn't, or not beating a team that isn't very good for beating a team that, you know, I think is legitimately one of the three best teams in the world on current form uh yeah yeah the, the second one sounds pretty great so uh so thomas uh feel free to keep throwing out these hypotheticals and we will feel free to uh to answer them in the format in which we choose awesome all right well just want to let our audience know you guys know us we're always looking for ways to make this show even better and over the years 
We've even read a few ads, a few. just a just couple, a couple from time to yeah. time. Exactly. You know, and, and it's just to support the show financially uh, so that we could do more content live shows and giveaways. So we have an announcement. Recently, we were invited to join Anchor's new podcast service. And as a part of that change, we will have ads read by yours truly, by Dan, by Nick, by Mike. It's going to be great. It's coming from us. It's going to have our personality. And they're going to be from companies that want to partner with us to let you know about what they have to offer. So again, we know the ads are not the star of the show uh, when it comes to podcasts, but we hope to add a bit of personal flavor to help you get through them. And this is a change that we're excited to make. So bear with us at the beginning. Always, always, always feel free to send us questions and emails about how we're doing with them and any ideas to make them better. So with that being said, here is potentially (laughs) your first ad from us via Anchor. All right, now getting back into it, we have a match review. This is what you are here for. It was Manchester City in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. It was this past Saturday, Year of the Yardigans. Can I get a clarification on that, Dan? Well, so for for Naz's benefit, because I don't think he had a chance to listen to the broadcast feed while he was watching the match, there was about a three to five minute interval when the announcers or the commentators were talking about the stylings of Pep Guardiola. And you would hope that would be his football stylings, his tactics. It actually was about his coat plus cardigan or jacket plus cardigan mixture, the jardigan. And it was uh, a little soul killing. And you know what? Uh, I don't often say stick to what you're good at, but uh, fashion commentary, (laughs) not what they were good at. Uh, Anyways, Naz, did that make it? I mean, I read your piece. I didn't see anything about a jardigan. You must have missed that. That beat. I miss all that, but I do have a point to make on his uh, fashion um, to to bore everyone once again. Uh, I like how he's definitely taken a little bit of the Manchester fashion. There's definitely like a a sort of subculture that that comes from Manchester, and Guardiola's sort of looked to adopt that and try get you know to try and get like fans on side even more. Well, he's playing great football, but he's also got the fashion, so he's he's the complete package for Mancunians, really. Oh, hipster pep. Dang it, he does it all. (laughs) All right, well, getting back to the scoreline, Chelsea 2, Manchester City 0. I apologize, I did not have time to look at predictions. So if you got the correct score prediction, pat yourself on the back. I appreciate you. Dan, run us through the lineup for this one. Sorry giving us a bit of a surprise um the yeah big surprise was on top but we you know it's like a christmas tree we start at the bottom and we work our way to the top with the star on it uh kepa Balaga starts back at goal we had antonio rudiger marcus alonso cesar espliqueta with his 300 chelsea match david louise Jorginho, and golo conte kovacic in the midfield three and then we had Pedro Millian on the wings with Eden Hazard through the center as the center forward. So no Morata making even the substitute bench, which did include Willie Caballero, Andreas Christensen, Emerson, Cis Fabregas, Ross Barkley, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Olivier Giroud, all of the last three who made substitute appearances for us in the 65th, 75th, and 90th minute. So, Naz, I am one to not say I predicted things, um, but I had a, a bit of an inkling that Sari would use this opportunity against City to do something completely different because, as he said in his pre-match presser where you're at, he doesn't know how to beat Pep because he's never done it. 
So I kind of, he'd been saying, nope, I'm not going to play with Ed Nazard as the striker. I'm not going to play with Pedro or a small person in that role. I want it to be Drew Murata. Again, I didn't put it out there because I didn't have a lot of belief in it, but I guess I'm not surprised that Sarri took this chance to really try something completely different. Is that the way you saw it? No, I was a little bit more surprised. I think it's really brave of Sarri to make a, a huge tactical choice against the best team in the land. Um, so I was really, uh, I was really stunned. But you know, when he when he sort of explained his thinking around the counter attack, um, he, he's you know he's got a really fast forward line there. So um, you saw for the first goal that uh, Hazard playing up front uh, was part of that. You know, a lot of pace. City were running back towards their own goal on the counter attack, and um, that's kind of it was kind of decisive. It was a great tactical move. Um, obviously, we know Hazard can play there. It's quite a frustrating role to play the strike. Not just for Hazard, but for Murata and Giroud, because you don't get many crosses. You don't actually touch the ball that much. So Hazard will touch the touch the ball a lot more if he's playing in one of the wide roles, because uh, it's just the it's just the way the striker needs to be in Pep's system. They need to be uh, pushing right up. They need to be. They occasionally do a bit of build up play, but really it's about um, being disciplined and waiting for your chance in the game, going in behind uh, and and working with the the two wingers. So um, and the wingers are always cutting inside as well remember with Chelsea so um, it's quite a frustrating job and I think that I was, I was a little bit surprised because Morata is quick as well so he could have played he could have easily played but there's obviously not quite that trust there and I think a lot of it actually was a decision in a defensive way you could ask why would you make a decision on Hazard in a defensive way um, it's because def- Chelsea defend in this pressing system so that's exactly why he can press even faster than Morata or Giroud because he is quicker and then you've got two other fast forwards on the wings who, who are doing the same so uh, I think that was a huge part of it and and the threat that people like Kyle Walker um, bring to teams that they come up against. But I mean, Ed Nazard doesn't like pressing. I mean, right? Sprinting, running around, chasing people. He definitely got him to buy into it. It was a huge change, like you said. And talking about changes tactically, Chelsea with only 38.7% of possessions, City at over 60%. Now here's where it gets fun. City had 14 shots, four on target. Chelsea uncharacteristically had eight shots and five of them on target. Much, much, much more clinical. Uh, You start to get into the touches, which usually Chelsea are crazy. Uh, 615 to City's 844, 411 passes to City's 642. And here's where I think we're going to really get into a lot of the differences in this match. Chelsea with 26 tackles and 31 clearances. City only had 19 tackles and 10 clearances. And they had 13 corner kicks my personal favorite stat nick only one offsides today i mean that's amazing yep <laughs> yeah i do i do remember that um yeah this was i think overall this was just a a massive shift for for Maurizio. sorry to sit back to be a little bit more patient um defending than than in possession and to you know i think i think we're gonna get into this with with some of the individual performances but to really trust his you know, experienced players to step up in a big match, much like they did against Liverpool earlier this season at home. And, um, you know, I was just, I was really impressed because in previous episodes, we've, uh, Dan, we've called, uh, sorry, a little bit tactically inflexible. Um, and he proved yesterday that he can think outside the box. It's almost as if, Nick, 
there was a plan B. <laughs> Whoa. Remember? Can we confirm yeah, that? Let's let's play back the clip of us saying, there's never a plan B <laughs> in this spot. Uh, I don't think that clip exists. No, God, no. We wouldn't have ever said that specifically like two, no, two weeks ago or whatever. So <laughs> Now, is that what you consider this, a plan B for Maurizio Sarri, or was it very specific to City? Because, I mean, I don't think that he would use this and when he's playing a, a Fulham or a Wolves or a Cardiff. No, I think the reason, you know, if you're playing a lesser team, you probably want a tall forward because, um, you know, the other team is likely to sit deep. You can have a lot of possession. So to have a big forward means you can, you, you have the option to do crosses and uh, and score it aerially. So I think that that was not likely to happen against Man City because they would never had the territorial advantage. Like you were reading the stats out there uh, and the stats clearly showed that Man City uh, dominated possession but as we know as, as Chelsea fans know it's quite frustrating to watch a team dominate possession and not win a game it's been happening to Chelsea of late and uh, and this and this time it happened to Man City and Chelsea were the ones that really stung uh, Man City with a different game plan Pep Guardiola was, was surprised by this game plan um he joked that they called up he called up um, Maurizio Sarri before the game and he he said we're going to play exactly the same way cuz don't forget Man City also played with a small forward a false nine and they they could have played with a striker with Gabriel Jesus who came on um so yeah i think what what amazed me about this performance was that the team everyone was a seven and Eden Hazard uh he, you know he probably doesn't like the system too much but he's he's this he, there's two types of Hazard performance right there's one where he sacrificed himself for the team. He did it against Brazil in the World Cup. I was absolutely stunned. I, I love performances like that because that's a team player performance and that's what he did against Man City. And then, you know, you get the other ones where he's a superstar. He blows the team away. Everyone talks about how great he is. But those discipline performances, that's what football's all about. That's what winning games is about. You have Sometimes you have to dig in and, as David Luiz says, suffers uh, against the, like one of the best teams in the world. Oh, hashtag Conte ball. (laughs) We brought it back. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and run through the goals. Dan, I have to have you start off with the 45th minute. Angolo Conte and Nazard assist. And it's not because you're the peak Conte fanboy. We all know that's Nick. It is more because of your creativity on the tweets. Uh, it's not often I get the praise for that, so I just want to take that oh, for a moment oh, and let it God. sit out there. there Thank you. There we go. Well, you even joked about it, Nick, so uh, <laughs> people can go to your Twitter feed and see it as well. But uh, I just tweeted it out like a police blotter. Kansas City Police Department tweet, white male, 30s, seen running shirtless through the streets, screaming, Conte, at the top of his lungs. Please be advised, he isn't crazy, just a Chelsea supporter. That This... Uh, if if you would have seen me after this goal yesterday, um, I basically carried a Casey Blue the length of the bar and back, um, just like a fireman. I was so damn excited. I got a sprint of energy that I haven't had in in a long time. Um, how's your How's your back feeling today? Now, <laughs> super can't. Yeah, um, light as a feather. This guy, so uh, easy. Uh, but just uh, can't say enough about. You know, especially in the first half, where I think City were much more dominant than the second half. Um, 
Naz. I mean, this was a goal at the right moment and a clinical finish from a guy who most people have been uh, attacking this year due to his lack of goal scoring ability. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Especially of late as well. It's been the criticisms come thick and well, he's never really had criticism. He's always been lauded as uh, a great player, Kante, uh, because he's been playing in a different role. And now uh, as, as people were criticizing Chelsea, he became the focus. Uh, so it was, it was brilliant to see him produce a great finish. Um, I thought, though, the goal itself was just brilliant. It's a brilliant team goal. Chelsea barely got out of their own half in the first half. It was it was really bad that he only had six. It was a six touch uh, that, that was. Oh, it was a six paths in the the final third from Hazard to create the goal. But it really started when David Luiz did something that maybe only David Luiz can do as a centre back. He his crossfield ball to Pedro uh, just completely broke the press. And Man City's pressing is relentless. It's the best. I think it's phenomenal the way they defend. Uh, but David Luiz just was like, okay, well, I'm going to try this. And he's technically good enough to produce uh, unbelievable 60-yard crossfield balls. Pedro. Pedro carries the ball. William, uh, William receives it. It cuts inside. They lose it after William crosses it. But Alonso follows up like he always does, flying into the box. And, and Hazard, if he meant that pass, which I'm still unsure about, but if he meant that <laughs> pass, that is absolutely genius I mean that's every bit is, it's completely different to David Luiz's pass but it's just as good if he meant that because uh, how he saw Kante just busting along to get in the box late Kante barely even got in the box for that stage it wasn't even his job Sarri said he needed to be close to Jorginho because that's how good City are but Hazard found him uh, and Kante great finish it's just the whole goal it involved loads of players. It sums Chelsea up, the fact that loads of players played brilliantly. And that goal, um, loads of players decided, yeah, we are good enough to beat City and, and this is our moment. And it was it was, it was was absolutely brilliant. What was, re- well, really I think, quick, Brandon, what, what was I, the energy in the stadium like? Was it, was it the same level as when Hazard scored against Liverpool earlier? Well, the fans were absolutely brilliant all game. But to be honest, there was a lot of pessimism um, from Chelsea fans before this game. Uh, I think a lot of Chelsea fans, you know, I think most Chelsea fans, to be honest, uh, they, they'll they say they thought they were going to win like Brandon. But I think most Chelsea fans thought they were going to lose. And then to watch to watch that first 45 minutes uh, kind of showed that maybe they were right to be pessimistic but that goal it just changed everything and it, it, it stunned a lot of us journalists we were talking about in the media room after but um, the atmosphere was brilliant all game I thought the support that's part of the puzzle really as well the players feed off that and if you've got that support even when you're doing badly um, it's huge it's absolutely huge for a team well to clarify I was very pessimistic going to this I just thought sorry would do something different not and get a result (laughs) just try throw a Hail Mary and see what happened Um, you know also I think with the Ed Nazard pass uh, he probably knew he needed to put it into space the city line had all collapsed into the six so you're right. He probably didn't know Conte was going to be there. He just knew that was the open space. But the weight of the pass was phenomenal. Like it, it just slowed down perfectly when Conte arrived, and he was able to put his, the side of his foot through it and not have to worry about it bouncing or it coming too fast. So he wasn't able to really wrap his foot around it. I mean, that thing was served on an absolute platter. Crazy from Opta here. They said that this was. Uh, Chelsea's first shot on goal in the 44th minute and two seconds passed. It is the longest that we've had to wait for a shot in a league game at Stamford Bridge since 06-07. So, hey, fun stats for you on that one. 
And then obviously Nick in the 78th minute, David Luiz assist and Nazard again. Yeah. So and at this point it had a a, a really un, like a unselfish performance, and this was kind of the the icing on the cake. But um, David Luiz was a monster yesterday, uh, and I think him and Rudiger and Dave, you're you're splitting hairs if you're trying to figure out who had the better performance out of all of them. I think that. David Luiz will get man of the match because he did end up scoring the goal. But all three of those players were tremendous and and don't get enough credit for for that performance. So uh, just a, a set piece, guys. We scored off of a set piece. Uh, I'm not sure how or why um, it was this one. And it was kind of a goofy looping header that kind of just fell. Um, very glad Marcus Alonso didn't try and uh, touch that in or anything because I think he was offside. But... Uh, regardless, uh, it was a, it was a great goal, sealed the win. Naz, this was something that I think gave Chelsea fans a lot of relief because there was such little time left in the game for City to come back, and uh, it was probably just one of those moments where the double knee slide between Louise and Barkley was uh, was warranted, huh? Yeah, Chelsea got a lot better in the second half, and um, they they probably I, I agree with uh, what Maurizio Sarri said rather than Pep Guardiola. Guardiola thought you know he he was complimentary to Chelsea but he thought that the result probably wasn't fair that's the vibe I got but Sarri said they deserved to win Chelsea and I agree but um yeah the goal is actually a really good header um and also a, a bit of insight from uh, David Luiz's interview with Chelsea TV is that Maurizio Sarri was training set pieces for this game and that was the only corner I think Chelsea got in the game so um it was a good job they trained for it but uh, you know it, it really took something that was a, a bit of brilliance from David Luiz to get the weight right of a header like that where you're under a lot of pressure, there's a lot of bodies around him and he just flicked it. Uh, that's the only thing he could have done to have scored and he did it. Um, Ross Barkley was right in the mix as well. You know, not just the goal celebration, but he actually was competing for the header uh, among several City players and David Luiz. So um, he, he he affected the game in, in a very small way, but um, I thought he's a brilliant, he's brilliant off the bench and that goal celebration, um, that's the most passionate goal celebration I've seen all season. Um, and and like you said, uh, that was like a relief moment, Nick. And I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just it showed, like, to, to your point about the celebration itself, it showed, I think, an incredible amount of let up and frustration, maybe leaving David Louise. And, you know, it's just one of those moments where you, know, you could kind of see, like, a lion's roar, you know, that, you know. Maybe I'm not. It's about sacrifice yeah. as well, because the the players were like people like Hazard were sacrificing themselves for from minute one to to the end. That takes incredible discipline. It's kind of frustrating to play without freedom and creativity, but it's so satisfying when it comes off. It's a it's great to win like that with your teammates. It's it's one of the real joys of football when you pull off a, a sort of semi underdog win uh like that through discipline and hard work and and you know brilliant tactics right and and i think for david louise dan this was a moment where he got to say i played really well defensively all game no no significant gaffes to speak of and you know i'm kind of the clincher in this moment and you know maybe let's not write me off too quick um and and you know, send me on my way to MLS. Well, and that's why, you know, the press conferences and, and Naz reports on this and asked about the extensions for players like Seth Fabregas or like David Luiz. Mauricio Sarri does value uh, what Luis brings to the table in terms of his 
desire in terms of his fight, in terms of his determination, his ability to play the ball forward, his ability to be dangerous in set pieces. And uh, hopefully at some point we'll get one of these David Luiz free kicks in for a goal again soon. That would be amazing. But in general, you know, he, you know, he's someone who all of us will remember, you know, very, very fondly, you know, years down the line, decades down the line as Chelsea supporters. And, you know, they'll be the undercurrent of, yeah, you know, he made some mistakes or, oh, you know, he did a couple of crazy things occasionally. But in general, you'll remember the gutsy bravado and just swashbuckling, you know, performance of this player that, you know, we all have come to love in spite of his faults. And uh, today his faults were microscopic in comparison to everything else. Well, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, that gives us a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about. As we dig into the game a little bit, you know, I know a lot of the, the chat was about the, the striking options, but if we want to flip it up and talk about our defense, I mean, like you said, you know, Naz, uh, David Luiz and Aspilicueta have both kind of been under a little bit of pressure. Uh, definitely David Luiz after the Spurs match was under fire for uh, his maybe rash decisions, poor, poor decision making that, that he put in. Um, do we essentially... It's it's easy for us as fans to get caught up and just react to the moment or the singular match, but it seems like you know with Aspie signing a new deal, there's even a lot of questions if that was good value. I think that overall, if we look at a body of work, these two guys have uh, more times than not proven out to be good. I guess what are, what are your takes on kind of a lot of fans and and, and not to put it all on Twitter, uh, but just kind of the rumblings grumblings of of you know. Aspie's not up to it. David Luiz is beyond it. When we can see that, you know, Nick always likes to talk about this season, Liverpool and um, City now, but we've seen Aspie having great performances, including this one this season. Um, do you think managers are maybe a lot more in touch with kind of these players that holistically, whereas us fans get wrapped up right in the moment and kind of, well, how did they do right now? I'm going to put their value based on the last thing I remember. Yeah, well, managers can't afford to be as harsh as fans, um, especially with individuals, because you're stuck with these guys for a long time. So that's part of it. But I think, I think maybe with fans, they they kind of pick out individuals. They see moments. They see weaknesses. And and every footballer has a weakness. Every footballer is missing something. Um, we're imperfect beings, and and sometimes you can take a liking to another football. It seems to happen a lot today, where people like the guy who's on the bench and they you know Nick spoke about it really well in a few of his podcasts and they 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 think the starters are the problem um but I think that you know David Luiz somebody like him he always gets picked out he also gets picked out not just by fans but the media and sometimes it's it's hard to understand why he plays because you see a defender is supposed to defend why is he's not he's not the best defender but um Chelsea defend in a completely different way um Hazard Sarri was talking about Chelsea's poor defending in the context of Hazard, he was saying that because it's a team, it, it, the way he sees it is a team effort to defend. There's no players, there's no passengers in this Chelsea team. Everyone is involved in the defensive phase, so um, they they have to work as a unit. And the big problem is that the sort of teamwork aspect, the sort of fluidity, the sort of, really just the desire. It's it's simple. It's all in there in these players' heads. But they, they Sarri's been struggling to get them going, get them excited. If you win things year after year, um, you know that. It becomes normal um, and for fans it seems unbelievable that it can become normal but to motivate yourself all the time is really difficult and, and that's been part of the issue
issue. Um, now, David Luiz, he produced moments in that game that I'd say no other defender in the Premier League could do. Maybe John Stones and Laporte, maybe they could do that pass that he produced, but there's a, a barely anyone who could do that pass for the first goal to Pedro. Um, and it, it's also about his personality behind the scenes. He's a... He's a real leader, and and Sari called out Chelsea for a lack of leadership, and and I think that it's funny that he he said that, and the two best players, in my opinion, in that game were Aspilicueta and David Luiz, the two biggest leaders, uh, you know, in that in that starting lineup. So um, I thought I thought that was um, you know there was a lot of fire in Chelsea, and they they've been struggling to find that fire, and that's and and Sari thinks that's normal. Well, I think what was interesting too is that you know we talk about Aspilicueta, we talk about Louise. You know, Rudiger had a, a really strong game as well. Um, you know, Alonso had been you know maligned for his couple past performances and, and stepped up to, especially in the second half. I think delivered a much better performance. But I think what we're missing is the fact that the entire team was defending yesterday, and I think like you know sneaky under the radar was Pedro and his ability to kind of come back and help close down William was you know making runs forward and backward throughout the entirety of his time on the pitch and so I think it's easy to say like our back four did an exceptional job which they did but they also were the beneficiary Nick of a lot of tactical instruction from the attackers and the midfield to help make life just a, a little easier amongst very difficult opposition yeah I, I can't I can't agree with that more I mean to, to beat a team like City, you know, you need both standout performances, as, as Naz just mentioned, and you need, uh, to me, you need a collective spirit and fight uh, to keep that mentality and that focus the entire game. Uh, I certainly was a little leery of that in the first half. I wasn't sure if that, you know, was going to last all the way through, and then N'Golo scored at the end off of, you know, kind of a nothing chance. And, you know, I think the whole script flipped a little bit. And then in the second half, you definitely saw when when we knew the game was won, Chelsea got into full attack mode. And I think, um, you know, this, this team, uh, unlike Antonio Conte's system, which was very rigid, kind of passed the ball around the field, looked for different options in the middle and certainly had different angles they could play that, that teams found out every once in a while. I think Maurizio Sarri's team is more of an amoeba. Like they move together, they kind of shift around in different spots during the game. And I think they make it really challenging for opposition who are, you know, like City, who are used to kind of just having their way with teams to figure out where their where our areas of weakness are. And I think the, the team just deserves a massive amount of credit for defending with everything they had yesterday. You know, Amoeba is a single cell organism, right? Yep. Okay. Just clarify. I hate you, Dan. Moving on. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you talk about the team and it's a system thing as well. Um, you know, Aspi, Luis, Rudiger, even Pedro, you know, I, there's there's no knock on him for his work ethic. That is for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's Rudiger especially, I mean, just chasing down people down the flanks as well, which is something that is nice that he can do because we know that's a little bit out of Luis's comfort zone. Um how much do you think the midfield played into this, Naz? I know uh, you were putting out a bunch of stat tweets yesterday, one of them being that Jorginho only had 47 touches, or was it passes? 
yesterday, um, but yet he was still found to be effective. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, Jorginho only touched the ball forty three times, so um, and he ran, he ran uh, more than any other Chelsea, uh, Chelsea player against Man City. Generally, I think if you Jor- said you if, said thirteen kilometers, he ran. Oh, 13 kilometers. Yeah. So if if um, you know if Jorginho's running a lot, it means that Chelsea aren't in control of the game um, for, for long periods. I always. You know, whenever you see that Jorginho's touched the ball a lot, he generally hasn't run the most. But when he hasn't touched the ball a lot, he is running a lot. So what I think that's great about that is, and what what was unique about Jorginho is that it was the first time really that where he hasn't really had a lot of the ball, where he still influenced the game in a positive way. And that's part of the teamwork. That's part of the sacrifice. He looked in great shape against against City. But everyone was a seven. Um, Kovacic was... He really stood out in a way to me because I had never seen him really dig in and, and fight. And I thought he was really good at re- regaining possession. Um, Chelsea couldn't keep it for very long. But in the first half, um, he was a big part of, of the team effort. And he's somebody that uh, comes in for criticism as well. Some, ta- some people love him. Some people want to see the local boy play uh, Loftus-Cheek. But the reason he was chosen for this game is because um, he is tactically superior, in my opinion, to Barkley and Loftus Cheek defensively as well. Um, it's just you can just see it in the fact that he's got a lot of experience, a lot more than these two other players. Experience at Real Madrid, experience at Inter Milan, and and Chelsea can benefit from that uh, in a in a big game context like this. So um, yeah, it was the midfield was good. I think that Sarri was really satisfied with N'Golo Kante as well. Um, lots of people said he covered every blade of grass, but it's actually Jorginho that covered more blades of grass um, so uh, big shout out to his his display but yeah it's just it was just great to see everyone really gelling together in in that sort of team effort there was great moments of individual defending like Nick touched upon but it, it, they would never have achieved anything if it wasn't for a sort of ability to come together as a team and really find a solution to stop Man City and uh, yeah it, it was a it was pretty much complete performance to be the to deserve to win against Man City is great, and um, yeah, I, I, now is the big challenge is to get up for for lesser teams. Well, let's see what Sari does with the attack. Nick, specifically, I'm so excited to see um, what he does with this new option of the front three: William, Pedro, and Eden Hazard. You know, Eden now has eight assists, which thanks to Dan's work here doubled what he had last season. He only had four assists in 34 matches. Um, but also, Hazard has contributed to 13 goals and assists, so he's got his five goals on top of that. Uh, do you think that uh, maybe Sari saw enough from this front three today to permanently push Giroud and Murata to now being the backup option for these three? Yeah, I was actually surprised that um, Giroud didn't start yesterday. And, and like you said earlier, Brandon, I, I thought he would have maybe occupied a little bit more time and space with the, uh, the city back line, but uh, you know, certainly uh, hazard did the job up front. I, I would be intrigued to see how this would work against the team that we had dominant possession against um, th- this front three interchanges a lot. Uh, and I think at times when you had William and Pedro and hazard running at the city defense in kind of a crisscrossing motion, that has to be hell to defend against. I, w- I would imagine that would just be incredibly difficult to kind of pick out the threat and, and close down that much space. So I, I'm intrigued by it. Um, certainly, you know, I, I think uh, I think Pedro 
might be better from like a, a timing of the run standpoint to maybe play in the center. But uh, I at the, I know why Sorry put Hazard up front, and I think it allows William to be on his preferred left hand side, so he can cut in on his right, and I, I think that that works really well. So it's an interesting threat, Dan. I'm, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure how this will look when we have more dominant possession. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I think when you have possession, you're probably going to want someone like Drew or a natural number nine to be in that position. I think you want to give someone like Eden Hazard the ability to work with the ball at his feet and to receive it in in stride so that he can cut into or cut at defenses and defenders and try to kind of put the ball behind the net. Um, so I think there is a benefit there. So I, I, I think this is going to be an option. I don't think it's going to continue to be the preferred option, though. If you look at what we like to do typically with Sari, Sari wants to have possession and maintain possession, and that involves recycling the ball. It's not about trying to just cut out the passing lane and then give you then the opportunity to win back the ball all the time. He would not rather be less uh, less winning because you have possession already now. So I, I think this is going to be an option we see occasionally. I don't think it's going to be what we see all the time. Oh, yeah. I want to I wanna touch upon, go back to what Brandon said about, you know, harsh criticism maybe or criticism from fans of players. And, and I think that Sarri has really been sort of blocking that out with Morata and trying to trust him. He needs a chance and that the, they need to try and rehabilitate him. He's still not really fully rehabilitated, whereas, you know, Hazard went on an 11-game goal drought. He's still on the goal drought, but we know he's going to get back to his best. We just know it because we've got so much proof. His history is like Hazard will be great very, very soon. There's nothing to worry about, whereas Morata, you worry a lot. And I think that in a squad management way, uh, Sarri's inherited this squad. Um, does he want to alienate the strikers straight away by playing uh, false nine? I don't think he does. I think that a lot of it, uh, a lot of the way he's handled this squad so far this season is, you know, he needs to keep Morata uh, involved. He needs to keep Giroud involved um, because these guys, are, these guys are just the guys he's inherited and, and they are good players. One's a World Cup winner. The other one played for Real Madrid and Juventus. So um, I think that it's been clever. I'm, I wonder. I wonder if he would naturally like to play a false nine more often. It would mean more games for Callum Hudson Odoi, which would be great for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting one. Um, but I think that against big teams, we're more likely to see it. You know, we've seen it against. Uh, Man City, uh, but it's it's really sort of a Conte tactic as well. You know, look at looking back at last season, Chelsea's uh, best performances, uh, apart from Atletico Madrid, uh, was against Barca. They were brilliant against Barca. Actually, even when they got beat three nil, they played pretty well in that game, and and it was just a case of Courtois keeping his legs open and and uh, and Messi brilliance and things like that. So. Um, yeah, I think that the false nine is great against those really, really, really top teams. And there's there's only really one team that Chelsea need to use it against, and it's Man City because they're not in the Champions League, they're in the Europa League. And I expect Chelsea to be pretty dominant for most of the Europa League, maybe until the quarterfinal stage where, where they meet a top team. Like Spurs? Oh, <laughs> just kidding. I had to get my shot in. It's, uh, we're running out of time. So anyways... Um, that's pretty much what we had for, you know, digging into this review. Um, so, but before we go ahead and move on to the man of the match, pulling any other additional thoughts or comments, Nick, super, super excited to talk about what we're doing with classic football shirts while we're over in London. Correct. As you know, uh, we will be 
that we have the the promo code open for for ten percent off, which is London Pod. So if you go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk, uh, you can shop around, get ten percent off with our promo code, which is awesome. Uh, it is. It, I, I actually check in like once a week to see what they've kind of added to the collection, and there's a there's a primo Rude Hullet shirt uh, with the it was the slate gray and orange thing that's in vogue right now for whatever reason. Um, and that thing's on there and that's looking pretty tasty. Um, so anyway, you can use the code London pod for 10% off, but what we're really excited about is that we're going to do our live show in London from their storefront. So it'll be, uh, on the 29th of December sometime around seven o'clock. We're kind of working out the times and, and things like that, but, uh, we're going to be down there with, uh, with Chidge, Silves, probably Marco, uh, a bunch of the fan cast guys. We're going to do a fun live show, probably look at a couple of, of primo shirts that they have and, uh, and just have a great night out. I mean, this is, you know, for, for Dan and Brandon and myself, this is one of the, the highlights of going to London every time is we're able to sit down and, and do a live show and record with our friends. And, uh, and we're really excited about that. So the call to action there is uh, one, use our promo code, just do that to save yourself some money. And two, if you're if you're coming on the trip with us, or you live in London, or you're going to be over in London anyway, uh, and and you want to come to the uh, to the live show, just uh, send us a DM. Just let us know that you're interested. We're trying to figure out how much beer to uh, to have for people. So that's really the primary concern, Dan. Yeah, you know, we did get, uh, one or two emails, uh, a couple tweets, and so a it's just always super humbling that people want to come and be a part of the content we put together and to really just grab a drink and have a good time. But, you know, I think beyond that, you know, we also just, you know, want to make sure that we are uh, prepared because uh, being prepared is better than not, as Mauricio Sari would tell you. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that. Uh, but anything else we maybe have missed? Naz, anything that you wanted to point out that we didn't touch on in the first part? Um, no, not really. I think that, I think that yeah, the main thing was that it was a great team effort. Um, I think that a lot of Chelsea fans might think that Chelsea are going to win the league now. Um, well, maybe some no, think, no. some have the confidence, but I've been getting a bit of flack for uh, saying that, I, you know, it, maybe it was too soon, but I said on Twitter that, as great as as jubilant, uh, you know, you celebrate celebrate however much you want. It's great. I love I love a celebration. But I think that n- you know nobody in the squad, Sari, and you know a lot of the journalists, we don't think that Chelsea can compete for the title. It's too soon. Um, it's great because it's really hard to even compete for this fourth spot. Um, the 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 amount of points Spurs and Arsenal are picking up is is relentless as well I think all the top six except Man United uh, absolutely blowing teams away blowing these lesser teams away and and there's not much room for error there's not a lot of room for error but you're looking right at the top at the top two Liverpool and Man City and they barely ever get beat and that's how special this win was it was a Chelsea showed that they can be beaten Man City and they got 100 points last season to do that gives hope to Chelsea in future seasons in future moments that they can overcome Man City. And I think everyone needs that hope because I, I I was starting to think that Man City could dominate English football as long as Pep Guardiola's manager. So um, it's big. It was a really big win for more reasons than just that, you know, Chelsea were in bad form and they over they overcame it, surprised people. It's a really big win for the Premier League because it shows that this team everyone's scared of can be beaten. Yeah, see, we're the people's team, Naz. <laughs> 
I think you wow. were, I think Chelsea were the people's team for this game. Maybe Belly ever. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> not not a position we're used to having, that's for sure. It's it's very un <laughs> un uh, kind of explored territory to be rooted for by other supporters. I know that um there were a lot of people a lot of Liverpool supporters who were very excited about the results. So uh, uh we didn't do it for you. That's that's for sure. Our our bartender at the Dubliner in Casey is a huge Liverpool fan. Nicest guy ever, but that's just a terrible decision making person. Um and when when we ended up winning yesterday, he he bought the 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 bar around of JMO shots, um, which was which was very nice. So um just wanted to shout out Elliot because uh because that was awesome, or at least our little group. All right, well, we got a tweet from a great friend of the pod, uh, at SP Beal. He says, after seeing that vile abuse directed at Raheem Sterling, shouldn't we all call for Chelsea FC to condemn and expel anyone that hurls our anti-Semitic, racist, or homophobic abuse? If you don't address this, guys, I feel like the problem gets swept under the carpet. Um... I guess not not putting it on you, Nick, but just you know moving it uh, forward with you. It, it, we've done a three part series on anti semitism and racism at Chelsea. We are big fans of kicking this out of the game completely, eradicating it. Um, yeah, I mean this is something that's important to us that we wish we didn't have associated with Chelsea in today today's atmosphere absolutely uh can't say that unequivocally enough i mean if you listen to our our three-part series with dan levine and amity uh it was it was actually really hard to record um we put a lot of thought into that piece we all we realized that we're three white guys from the united states and the impacts um that you know raheem sterling feels on a weekly basis and the impact that i feel in kansas city on a weekly basis are two different things um it's something that's completely unacceptable, um, especially in 2018, almost 2019. Like, we have to figure this out. Uh, I don't understand uh, how this kind of thinking prevails uh, in society these days. But uh, I actually just really want to give credit to Raheem Sterling for, for coming out and uh, basically sharing what happened to him um, and and the and the path forward. So I guess Brandon, do you want to read his his statement? Then maybe we can uh, have a chat about it. Uh, yeah, let's keep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, good morning. I just want to say I'm not normally the person to talk a lot, but when I think I need my point to be heard, I will speak up regarding what was said at the Chelsea game. As you can see by my reaction, I just had to laugh because I don't expect any better. For example, you have two young players starting out their careers. Both play for the same team. Both have done the right thing, which is buy a new house for their mothers, who have put in a lot of time and love into helping them get where they are. But look at how the newspapers get their message across for the young black player and then for the young white player. I think this is unacceptable. Both innocent have not done a thing wrong, but just by the way it has been worded, this young black kid is looked at in a bad light which helps fuel racism and aggressive behavior. So for all the newspapers that don't understand why people are racist in this day and age, all I have to say is have a second thought about fair publicity and give all players an equal chance. And I guess, you know, I, I want to toss it to an expert in this arena, which would be uh, Naz, who understands both of the, you know, not only the, the nuances of, of writing for a publication, but also 
you've experienced some of this stuff yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, when I was when I was younger, I played football, like many of us. That, my passion actually grew from playing the game. Um, I'm from Manchester, so I played for a team called Swinton Boys, a small town in Salford. Played in Lancashire, Greater Manchester. Um, and often, like, I would, you know, get abuse, basically. It's as simple as that. I would get racist abuse. It was, it's not normally inaccurate racist abuse because I'm half Moroccan and I'd get called Paki or, you know, all sorts of other slurs, um, which are just awful to hear. And when you're, and this is when I was seven years old, remember? So it started from when I was seven years old until maybe about 14. And now, like Raheem Sterling says, like, it's laughable. You just laugh this things, these things off when you're an adult. But when you're a kid, it sort of does fester. It does hurt and it leaves you jaded. It, you know, I quit the sport for two years um, because I was just fed up with it. I was fed up with showing up on a Saturday, playing with my teammates and having these incidents happen every now and again, you know, maybe it was about once once every two months or so. Um, obviously, no child deserves that. And, and where does it come from? I don't think that... No, I don't hate the people who said this kind of stuff to me. I don't hate them at all. I think that they're kind of fed this kind of rhetoric. This is the language they're taught in the newspapers, in the media. And I can absolutely sympathise with what, what Raheem Sterling's saying. And I think that... I hope I I hope I've got some optimism because there's lots of powerful people in the media um sort of you know taking this really seriously and and it, it is a responsibility if you have the platform to publish to a large audience it's your responsibility to not be hate filled whatever we've got the internet now um so you know you might have a great facebook page you might have a podcast like you guys you might have a twitter account with loads of followers it's your responsibility uh to not pump out hatred to make the world a better place and 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 to, to for sterling to point to the example of the young people is it is the power of language that phil foden and ariadaba Bio, um, both getting treated in a different way. It shows the power of language, and this is getting repeated on a day by day basis all the time. All the time, it's reinforced and getting pumped out onto the internet, into newspapers, and then it kind of feeds up even into broadcast and radio. Um, so we need to be careful, you know, and be nicer to each other. It's an ugly side of a beautiful game, and I think that I think that I'd like to see this be tackled now, and it affects people of all ethnic minorities as well so we know that it's on the rise kick it out the the, the charity for anti-discrimination um they said that the, these kind of reports of racism in football is on the rise so we need to be careful we, we need to create the kind of society that we want to live in and football and reflect society and we need to be careful about this rhetoric because language is powerful and and i know that as a journalist um but yeah i think in this incident that sort of caused the debate Let's be let's let's wait until the investigation has uh, delivered an answer before really showing strong opinions about it. It, it looks bad, and I, you know it makes you angry seeing that. But we don't know what we don't know what was said really just yet. So we need to wait. Um, the police are investigating it. Chelsea are investigating it, and it's great that we're having this debate. But let's wait and see what the investigation says before um, you know innocent until proven guilty as well at the same time. So um, for me. It's 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 a really big moment and uh, and it's great that you guys are addressing it and I really 
encourage people to seek out the London is Blue pod that uh, talks about anti-discrimination uh, and Chelsea are doing a lot of great work to stamp it out. <laughs> Obviously, Chelsea look bad from this this fan, but Chelsea are doing a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of great people around Chelsea. Um, so these guys are the minority, and, and and we need to, but we need to keep working to improve our society. All right. Yeah. So you know, we're going to see the, you know, and I think an example of that is, uh, you know, in in the middle part of next year, we're going to have Chelsea come over and play a match in Boston with the, you know, where the New England Patriots play, but the New England Revolution also play their uh, owner Robert Kraft, um, you know, also a big part of the Jewish community, along with Roman Abramovich, and you know, there's another, you know, say no to anti-Semitism campaign there. So the club is very proactive, and I think what we'll continue to see is as these incidents pop up, they'll be dealt with swiftly, they'll be addressed quickly, uh, the club and, you know, the police will handle it in the appropriate manner and make sure that incidents and you know i think this is you know it's a terrible incident to have occur but i think the response and getting to see the response is also another way that hopefully some of those who are potentially on the bubble of this fringe because it is a fringe in comparison to the common and prevailing thoughts of being a positive and active contributor to society uh, will see and potentially learn a lesson from what happens to these people? So I wouldn't imagine that this is not yeah, something Dan, that will get swept in the rug at all. Well. Um, yeah, definitely not. Uh, Dan, I just wanted to jump in and sort of answer to uh, Simon's question directly: is that Chelsea do have a zero tolerance approach to racism, and uh, it's it. This guy will be ba- anyone will be banned to be honest if they're caught being racist so you can be you can be sure that the club are going to work on it they're going to make sure that people are punished when they do this because they don't want to see it in the stadium they don't want to see it in their fan base so um it's a really big deal uh if if it's proven so um it will be dealt with and and you can be sure i just want to quickly add there there are a couple things that came out of our our series on uh, anti-discrimination one thing is and i think that amity was great to point this out is you know, quality control can start from the seat next to the person who, you know, in this instance may or may not have made this comment, right? Uh, it's it's pro- public pressure and peer pressure can go both ways. Um, if you have a group of people around you who are all doing, you know, stupid stuff, uh, you know, that can certainly encourage other people to do stupid stuff. But if you have a group of people around you who are like, man, like, what are you doing? Like, it's it's one thing to talk you know, some, some smack to a player for, for a bad performance or for missing a corner or whatever. Like you can, you can talk about performance related stuff all day and and there's no harm, no foul there. That's part of the game. But anytime you kind of breach that, that topic and, and get into anything that would be, you know, considered, you know, discrimination, I think it's just crazy. So I, I, I would hope that, you know, and I know there are really good fans out there, especially um, you know, kind of in the in the ends in the shed and the Matthew Harding upper and lower that are able to kind of use peer pressure the other way, and and I would hope uh, that that is happening more regularly than we are even told about, Brandon. Yep, I yes, and Naz, thank you for sharing yeah, that. Obviously, that your personal story. Um, we are here to help, so. Appreciate the support, especially Simon uh, pointing that out. We're not here to to move away from it either. So, uh, wrapping this one up, the man of the match poll, Dan. Uh, please, sir, this is 
definitely one of the tightest races we have had. Yeah, it was a bit of a photo finish and no no jokes because ultimately this was a great team win and you can't take it away from anybody. Uh, Hazard in fourth place with 11%. Angolo Conte in third place with 23%. Dava Louise at 32% at second place. And then Azpilicueta just inches him out. Uh, at the top for 34%. So um, it definitely differed from the official poll on the uh, Chelsea man of the match poll. I think whoa. Louise ended up pulling it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. We're the official yep. poll. <laughs> Chelsea FC just happens to run a similar poll. <laughs> get your get your facts right, Dan. Uh, I'm sorry. Jeez. I think we... Tough audience. All right. To, to all be right. fair to us, I think we ended up putting these out on Twitter uh, <laughs> before the actual Chelsea account did back in the day. So... You know, I think we have a real claim here, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll take it to an arbiter and figure out what we can kind of work out of this scenario. We definitely win that. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, the top four as it stands, Liverpool in first on 42 points. City dropping to second on 41 points. Spurs staying in third on 36 points. And Chelsea staying in fourth on 34 points. Uh, thanks to goal difference because Arsenal in fifth on 34 points. United... This is for you, Naz. Big jump up to sixth on 26 points. Still a bit of a gap, though, between sixth and fifth. Um, let's see. Everton are still holding on. Bournemouth are still holding on. West Ham flying up the table in the 10th. Uh, and then the bottom is just getting worse and worse. Fulham, Southampton, Huddersfield in 20th, 19th, 18th, respectively. Burnley jumping up. Palace sliding. Newcastle sliding. Cardiff just running away on 14 points right now, <laughs> escaping that drop zone. But guys, as, as we were talking about, uh, a phenomenal result. It is going to take us quite a while to come down from this high. Uh, and so to keep the party moving, we will be back with another episode tomorrow, continuing to dig into your social media questions, uh, looking at the top four, uh, because we've got another Europa League match this week. So a lot to unpack as we head into another busy week. But again, thank you to Nas for joining us my man it has been far too long so excited to be able to meet up in person in london here coming up great can't wait i always love having you guys over you're great fun and uh yeah it just shows on the pod awesome we really do appreciate it nick dan gentlemen we will be back with part two uh so looking forward to that so chelsea fans that is a wrap for us this time uh but until next time you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high